Man, aren't you glad you came to chapel today? Come on, somebody, right? Isn't it a good day to be at chapel? Listen, I'm super honored to be in the room with you and in the room to be a part of all that God is doing right here through this seminary and through the college right here. And it's just special, I believe. And you're a part of something special, amen? And I say thank you to Dr. Greenway and to the team for giving me the opportunity to be here with you. I admire him, I love him, and thankful for him. He's preached in my church and knocked it out of the park and just really grateful for what God is doing in and through this seminary. I think it's one of the greatest seminaries you can be a part of. And so it's exciting to be in the room with you. I also love Dr. Upton right down here. He and I have been friends for a long, long time. I have uh, just the utmost admiration for him and his leadership and grateful for that friendship. And we've had some good times together, amen? And so it's a lot of fun. Now listen, today we're gonna be in the book of Joshua and I wanna walk you through a few things that I've learned along the way. I've done uh, ministry for a long time. And in the midst of that ministry career, I've had the opportunity to do student ministry. That's where I started. I never thought, I went to be a pastor in 2019 uh, and right before 2020, come on, somebody, that's always a good time to go be a pastor, amen? And in the midst of that, I, I never thought I'd be a senior pastor. I always wanted to do student ministry, then I wanted to do next generation ministry, kind of oversee preschool, children's youth. I had the opportunity to do student ministry all over the country from Arkansas down to Houston, Texas, over to Nashville, Tennessee. I was like on a tour. And then had the opportunity that God began to work in my life. I went to another area of Tennessee. And it's in that area that God did a miracle in my life. And that miracle happened, by the way, in one of the toughest seasons of ministry I've ever been in. I would imagine if you have any age to you in this room at all, you've been through a tough season of ministry. And ministry has tough seasons, amen? In those tough seasons, how you respond to the tough seasons determines the, going to be the outcome of that season. And I've walked through that season. In 2015, I had a pretty tough season. And in that tough season of life, God taught me some crucial principles that I actually want to give to you today. I want to give you uh, some principles today that the Lord taught me out of Joshua through one of the toughest seasons. And it's in that season that God called me and told me I'm going to go pastor a church. Now, I don't know about some of you. Some of you are like, I am the most intellectual person in the room, and I'm the most dynamite, like I'm the rock star in this room. I will be the best senior pastor that's ever walked on the earth, right? I know some of you think that, praise God. Uh, I'm gonna be the best seminary professor there has ever been in the history of right? Like, there are people, and I'm sure you will, praise God for you. I never thought that about myself. I just, I didn't have... That moment, I thought, there's no way. And in 2015, when my wife and I were talking through this tough season of ministry, we were blessed to meet the really uh, un unlikable people in the church. You ever met some of those people? Y'all ever had those people in your life? The unlikable that are really hard to like that you gotta force yourself to be godly to? Come on, somebody, right? It's like when somebody cuts you off in traffic, you gotta force yourself to love them, right? Sometimes in the <laughs> In the Baptist church, we got to force ourselves to like people. And I was in that journey, and, and God broke me. And he said, in that moment, he told me, you're going to go pastor a church one day. I remember talking to one of my great mentors and dearest friends in my life, and he said, won't you come back to my church for a season till God releases you? 
And I went back and Dr. Upton and I sat at the end of the, the executive team table every day and had a great time and walked through and I developed and I grew and I learned until the Lord opened this amazing journey. Now that journey that God opened for me was to go to Oklahoma City. I don't know if any of you are from Oklahoma, but nobody desires to move to Oklahoma, right? Like some of you are Texas folks, right? You're like, nobody's going like, go Texas, right? Not Boomer. I'm an Arkansas fan, so I don't care. We'll beat all of you, amen? Anyways, um, it's just the way it rolls. It just happens that way. We're blessed in Arkansas. Um, but I remember I, I get this call from this church and. Oklahoma City, well, all I knew about Oklahoma City was that tornadoes come there. And I don't want to move to a place that my house is going to be wiped out by the weather, amen? And that does not sound exciting, but then God began to work on my heart, and I remember sitting down with my mentor, and he looked at me and he said, Brian, you're never going to know unless you go. You're going to have to take the step and go down there and check it out. And I remember going and checking it out. I was preaching at a church in, in Tulsa, a multi-site church, and this search committee came and said, hey, we want to we want to meet with you. We want to talk with you. And I said, I'll give you a little bit of time. I had no desire. I'll give you a little bit of time in the hotel that night. And my wife and I leave that meeting and it's like heaven fell. But here's the interesting thing. In 2015, when God was calling me to be a pastor, they were going through a split in their church. Same season. We didn't know each other. We're walking through the toughest season of our life. The church is walking through the toughest season of its life. It grew itself all the way down to about 250, 300 people actually showing up, 400 people being a part of the church. I now call them the faithful 400. They grew themselves down. And in the midst of that journey, they were in the toughest season of their life. We were in the toughest season of our life. Yet God was doing a miracle because in the tough seasons, God does miracles. Amen? Come on, somebody, right? Like, like in the tough seasons, if you lean into them, God can do a miracle. And we watched it happen. And so we said yes to this journey of this church in Yukon, Oklahoma, on the west side of Oklahoma City. And ever since that was three and a half years ago, and ever since then, we've just seen the church explode. And people coming to the church every single week, we see truckloads of people. And we see the amount of growth that has happened in the church. We step back and, and I literally can say there is not one ounce of ability that I have to lead the church that I get to lead today. I got way too much redneck in me from Arkansas. Anybody with me there? Like you just got so much redneck in you. You're like, I don't know if I can ever lead a church like that. But some reason God wants to use us in this moment. As a result, we've had an amazing team. I brought some of them with me uh, today that joined us, some of our residents who are part of your seminary that live in Oklahoma City, and they're doing the residency program with us and getting their master's degree while they're working with us, and so grateful to have this whole team with me today, and I want to teach you these principles I learned during that season. Sound good? Here we go. Y'all got a Bible? Anybody in this room? Y'all got a Bible? We're one of those Baptist churches that talks. Come on, somebody, right? Like, we like to talk. Joshua chapter one. We're gonna do Joshua one. We're gonna kind of move through Joshua chapter two. We're gonna skip it in some form or fashion, although the message of Joshua chapter two is so rich when the spies show up at the house of a prostitute. There was no other Airbnbs available in the moment. And so they, God gave them that opportunity, right? And they stayed there in that season and God did a miracle. And God did something pretty special there. But we're gonna fast forward to Joshua chapter three and I'm gonna teach you these lessons quickly. 
And so you'll wanna write them down prayerfully, all right? After the death of Moses, Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses. So it's a long journey, right? They, they've been in the wilderness for, for 39 and a half years at this point, right? They've been in the wilderness for a moment. And while they're in the wilderness, they've been following their leader that brought them out of Egypt and complaining and whining. Y'all know the story. I don't have to get into it all. But after the death of Moses, the great leader, the servant of the Lord, this is a big moment for the Israelites. The Lord said to this guy named Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Can we just stop there and remember where we met, Mo- or where we met Joshua. We met Joshua back in Exodus 16. Y'all remember when Moses is standing on top of the mountain and Aaron and Ur are holding up his arms and then there's a battle going on and when his arms fell, they were losing the battle but when the arms are being held up, they're winning the battle. You remember who's fighting the battle? A guy named Joshua. And it was in that moment that Joshua leaned in. Joshua never knew he was gonna lead the people. He just accepted the task right in front of him. Here's one leadership lesson I learned in my life. Recognize your place on the team and win at the role you have been handed today. Win at the role you've been handed today. Well, I don't like the job I got. I don't, I don't care. Praise God, amen? It's a job the Lord gave you. Win at it today. Seize the moment that the Lord has given you today and let God develop you where you are. So many times we long to be Moses. So many times we long to be Joshua, but God might be calling you to be Aaron and Ur today. God might be calling you to hold up the arms. God might be calling you to hold your arms up. God might be calling you to go fight the battle and risk your life for the sake of the people. Whatever the call of God is on your life, say yes to the journey and accept the doors that God opens. Remember the church of Philadelphia? God opens some doors and he shuts others. You gotta find joy in the doors that he opens and accept the doors he shuts if you're gonna receive the job in which he's given you. Moses' aid, Moses' opportunity. If with that moment, what's he do? He wins with the sword, according to Exodus 17, 13, right? So Joshua overcame the army with his sword. He was getting ready. Listen, today's development get you ready for tomorrow's path. Can I tell you, 2015 got me ready for 2019. And if I didn't walk through 2015, I would not have been ready to pastor a church in 2019. It took the season. It took the development. So Joshua, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Now, there's one thing that I skipped over that I think it's important. That's a major lesson that's really been something I've leaned in and on my life as the Lord said. And here's what I wrote down on the midst of the Lord said, never lose focus on who called you. Never lose focus of the call of God on your life. Listen to me. And I know some of you, you've been teaching in seminary. You've been a professor for a moment. You can probably testify to this. There's been moments in your life that you might have said, I don't want any more of it. But then God reminded you of your call. And if I can just give this to all of the younger generation in the room or all of those watching online today, and you might be evaluating, checking things out online, or you might be leaning in and maybe the Lord drew you to this moment online. Can I just give you this? Maybe you're at a season in your life that you're like, man, I'm frustrated. I thought I'd be more elevated at this moment. I didn't, I'm not doing as well in that class as I thought I would do. Maybe I'm not meant for this. Maybe it's not meant to be me. I've been there, y'all, and in those moments, I had to 
fall back on the call of God on my life that happened in 1996 when I was a junior in high school when God called me up at a youth camp out of the back row and I walked to the front and I surrendered to the call of ministry and God put it on my heart and said, this is you. You, I know 100% what God called me to do. But there's been times I did not want to live in the call of God in my life. And there will be seasons you don't want to live in it. Don't forget who called Joshua. Because Joshua had to remember it. Matter of fact, we get into the season to prove those moments. But we'll get into that in a moment. Never lose focus of the call. Verse 2. I promise we won't take every verse through chapter 1 and 3 that long. All right? You are like, I need to call Uber Eats. Get somebody to come and bring me some food for this one. Verse two, Moses, he says to Joshua, my servant is dead. Now then, it's time, Joshua. I can only imagine the fill of Joshua in this moment. Like what is next? But the Lord said, Lord called Joshua. Now then, he says something crucial here in verse two. He says, you and all these people. Joshua, I'm not calling you to do this by yourself. Leaders can never do things alone. You want to be great in the church, don't do it by yourself. You want to be great in the seminary, don't do it by yourself. You want to be great in life, don't do it alone. Exodus 18 taught us that on how to design and how to structure. We can't do it alone. Here's what we say at our church, together we. It's the thing we brought to our church. Our our mission statement is this, together we are reaching, discipling, sending church, impacting generations for Christ. We want all ages to come to our church We want to reach them in the name of Jesus, amen? We want to grow them up in their faith and teach them the word of God and grow them in their faith. Then we want to send them back out to reach some more people. That's a mission we got in our life. But I can't do it alone. Listen, any pastor that steps into a church that thinks he is the savior to that church, that church will fall. You can't, you're not the savior of the church. You're called by God to go to the church to lead the people, right? Ephesians 4.12, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what the calling of God is on our life. And when we take a humble approach to the call of God on our life, we don't see ourselves as a savior of the church. We see ourselves as a servants of the church. And that's who we're called to be. Be a servant. You and all these people, you gotta do it with the people. Don't rest on your personality. Don't rest on your knowledge. Go and do it with the people. What do you need to do? You need to get ready to cross the Jordan. Could you imagine that statement? 40 years in the desert. This is a call of God. It's a promise of God, and God always fulfills his promises. Come on, y'all, listen. Right here, this is the opportunity, right? Like, like here we are. Now, wait, what'd you say, Lord? We're going to go into the promised land. We're going to go into the land of Canaan. We're going to, we're going to take, like, are you, I can't, could you imagine being, I can't wait to tell the people. I can't wait to let everybody know. They've been whining about this for years. This is the opportunity we have to go. What a statement. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You better get ready today for what God has for you tomorrow. Come on now. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you have set your foot as I promised Moses. No one will be able to stand against you. He's talking to Joshua here. You think Joshua was intimidated? Think that's why God gave him such a pep talk? Anybody play sports in your life? I call this a locker room talk. You know, at halftime, I was chaplain for the University of Arkansas football program before I moved to, uh, before I moved to Oklahoma. And you know, we weren't very good at Arkansas back then. Uh, matter of fact, I think we won two games in two years. 
Uh, praise God. It's a great time to be a chaplain. Ever since I left, we've been winning. Sometimes you gotta leave so that the place can, anyways. Um, glad I'm gone because I'm a fan. What's best for the team, amen? Um, but in the midst of losing at times, I'd be in the locker room as a chaplain trying to pat the guys on the helmet. What the coach always do? They would take a knee and they'd give a pep talk. Hey, I know we're down. I know you're frustrated, but listen, we gotta hang in there. This is Joshua's pep talk. By almighty God, not all will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one can. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That is a heck of a declaration. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm on your team. Be strong and courageous. Somebody needs this today because you got frustrated in your faith. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors uh, to give them. The, the call of God, why is he so nervous? Because God's call is greater than man's ability. For me, going to pastor a church was way beyond my ability. And it still is today, y'all. There's no shame for me to admit, I am not the, the king daddy senior pastor on the planet. You're not following me to say, I wanna do everything he's doing so that I can lead a church that way. That's not who I am. I just wanna be faithful with the call of God in my life. And I believe if I'm faithful with it, God can show off. And God can do what God wants to do. And I would not get in the way because the call of God is greater than man's ability. And we see this, the call of God was greater for Joshua than his ability. So God's giving him a pep talk. Verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law, all the law. Do you see it? You ought to circle it in your Bible. All the law my servant Moses gave you. How are you going to be successful, Joshua? You're going to be careful to obey all the law. Listen, to live out the word of God, you must live in the word of God. You see it right here. All the law of my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right or to the left. You be faithful to the call of God that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book, keep this book of the law always on your lips. You wanna know how to stay faithful to the call of God in your life? Keep the word of God the priority in your life. Keep this a priority. This is it. Not what some pastor says. Not what a teacher teaches. Not what somebody wants you to believe. Not what the podcast or the bloggers say. God forbid if you're following Twitter, amen? Just according to the word of God. This is it, y'all. This is the umbrella of our life. Stay underneath it. If you stay underneath it, when you get out from under it, what happens? You fall in captive to sin. Stay underneath it, you're more likely to be faithful. That's what the Lord is teaching Joshua as he's about to lead people. You wanna get ready to be great as a future minister, as a leader where you are? Stay in the word of God. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Stay in the word. So Joshua ordered, I love that right there. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Joshua did what he was asked to do. Joshua took a face step. You gotta say yes to the face steps in your life if you wanna lead courageously in your faith. You wanna be a courageous leader? When God calls you, say yes, because a yes changes everything, right? Anybody ever proposed to somebody in this room? When I proposed to my wife, that yes changed everything, amen? Men that are married, 
you probably would say amen, but don't say it too loud if your spouse is sitting next to you. It changes everything. A yes changes everything. When I said yes to Trinity, y'all, it changed everything. It, it changed everything for my family. It was an opportunity to see God do something extraordinary. The lives that are being changed, what God is doing in and through it, I could tell you story after story after story. I could bring some of our staff up. They could tell you story after story after story of a move of God that is happening. Why? Because we were willing to say yes to a crazy opportunity. We're willing to take a risk. That's what Joshua is in this moment. He said this, go through the camp, verse 11, go through the camp and tell the people. Get your provisions ready. So now we're back, right? Now we, we told you, you need to follow all the law. You need to keep this book of the law on your lips, Joshua. Now you need to tell the people to do the same thing. Get your provisions ready. Get ready. Develop today. Use today to develop you to get ready for where I'm leading you tomorrow. Use today to get you ready for where you're going. Use today to get you ready for the attacks that are about to come to your life. Use today and strengthen your walk. Strengthen your foundation because there might be some some challenges ahead of you, right? No one in the Bible didn't face great challenges. They all faced great challenges. They were ready for the challenge. Go get your provisions ready. Get ready because three days from now, could you imagine? Wait, what? Three days? We get to go to the land of Canaan. We get to go to the promised land and in three days from now, you will cross the Jordan, the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. I can only imagine what was taking place here. I've stood on the spot where they crossed the Jordan. I stood on the spot where it was divided all the way 18 miles north up to Adam. I've stood on that spot. You ought to stand on that spot. If you've never been to Israel, you ought to go to Israel at some point in your life because it's life-changing. I'm about to lead another group to Israel. And you can stand on the spot in which all this takes place. It's amazing to see what happened with the Jordan. But at this moment, if you go today, the Jordan's pretty small right there unless it's flood season. But this happened to be flood season. So now the Jordan is incredibly deep. It's rushing all the way down to the Dead Sea and it's incredibly full and it's incredibly wide. So Joshua's saying now, so the people are probably thinking, wait, what? We're ready, but can we wait till after flood season when it's easy? Because sometimes we want the easy. We don't want to be faithful in the hard. And sometimes the hard, we look at it and we say, I don't know. I think that's why the Lord wanted to take them during flood season. It would have been easy when it wasn't flood season. Sometimes the Lord wants to take us through the tough times to get us to the right moments because we're more dependable when life is hard than when life is good. Life's good creates comfort, does it not? It's this beautiful picture. So you even fast forward to chapter three. Don't turn there right now. I'll just read it to you because we'll be there in a moment. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will be doing amazing things. This is a couple days later. So what's he doing? Get spiritually ready for what is to come. If I can just give that to you today, get spiritually ready for what is to come. Get spiritually ready. I learned that early on. I created disciplines. And you guys speak a lot about that often. So I'm gonna leave it be. But you need to get spiritually ready. You can never come into God's presence without preparation. We learn that at the temple. We learn as we prepare for what God wants to do, then the Lord can begin to show up. We get our hearts right with God. That's why I tell everybody, spend time with God in the mornings. Why? Why would I do it when the day's over? I'm going to bed. I don't need as much spiritual strength when I sleep. I don't know about you. 
but the enemy seems to attack me throughout the day more than he does me at bedtime. And so what do I do? I know some of you are thinking, oh, you're just old school. <laughs> uh, maybe, or maybe there's just something about the morning time like scripture speaks of. Then you fast forward to Joshua chapter three. Let's get to the Jordan and we'll begin to wrap up on some of these lessons. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, which carried the presence of God, right? It's important you recognize that because there's a lot of pieces here that Joshua doesn't point to the priests. He doesn't point to the Levites. He doesn't point to all the people. He points to the presence of God. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. Today I'm going to elevate you. So what's he saying? You better be ready because you're about to be elevated. And if you're not ready to be elevated, you'll fall off the mountain as fast as you got up it. You better go through your development season. Some people just want to be elevated so fast and want to be at the top, but they fall as fast as they got there. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here, listen, right? Words of the Lord, your God. These are not the words of Joshua. These are not the priests, but the words of the Lord. In verse nine, so Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. It's not my words. It's not the priest's words. These are the words of the Lord. Be, can I just give this to you? Be careful who you listen to. Woo! There's a lot of voices out there, aren't there? There's a lot of people that know it all, especially in the Baptist world. Come on, somebody. We'll just leave that as there. Be careful who you listen to. It's a great lesson I learned in my life. See the Ark of the Covenant, verse 11. See the Ark of the, of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan. Notice he didn't say the priests are going into the Jordan. Notice he didn't say the 12 leaders of the tribe are going in the Jordan. Notice he didn't say I'm going into the Jordan. See the Ark of the Covenant who carries the presence of God. The presence of God will go in front of us. Follow the presence of God. Don't follow some man. Follow your God. Come on, right? Let us not get lost in following men today, following women today. Let us get lost in following our God today and God alone. When we veer away and we drift away from following the ways of God, we drift into the ways of man, and it's always never ended well. Let us follow. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, as soon as they who carry the ark of the Lord, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, its waters are flowing downstream, and it'll stop. By the way, y'all notice it doesn't say when the priests arrive to the water, the water's gonna divide, and then they put their feet in. The Bible doesn't say, now that we've talked about this, it's gonna work. I've given you the vision. I've given you the direction. I've given you what you need to do. Now it's done. You notice the Bible doesn't say that. It says as soon as the priest stepped foot in the water. And it wasn't until they placed their feet in the water that the water divide. Here's the lesson I learned in my life. A step of faith requires you to take the step. A step of faith requires you to take the step. You gotta say yes to the call of God. Once you put your yes on the table, leave it there. And when God calls you, take the step. 
And I'm just letting y'all know, a lot of those steps are gonna be scary and risky. They are. They are for me. When I took the job that I just accepted and the opportunity to lead some of the most amazing people on the planet, it was terrifying, y'all. It was. When I went through a tough season in 2015, it was terrifying. It was scary. I'm not too ashamed to say it. It was terrifying. But then God gave me a new vision. I rested on the call of God on my life. And my family and I continue to take these face steps. And we continue to say yes to what the Lord had. But it required us to put our feet in the water. And it wasn't until we put the feet in the water that we saw the move of God happen. We didn't get to see the move of God on the front end. God doesn't just display it all for you and say, if you say yes, here's the results. No, you say yes, and then you just be faithful. I'll take care of the results. That's what the Lord says. You gotta be willing to put your feet in the water. You gotta be willing to take the step of faith. I teach this to our people. Baptism, step of faith, right? Salvation, put your feet in the water. Giving, put your feet in the water. When you teach on tithing, y'all are gonna have to do this. If anybody wants to go be a pastor one day, people are scared to death to give their money today. Amen, come on, right? But you gotta put your feet, you just gotta start the journey and trust the Lord with it. That's where 10% comes from, right? You gotta, it's a step of faith. When you get the opportunity to go lead a student ministry or a kids ministry or a women's ministry or you get the opportunity to go pastor a church one day or you get the opportunity to go on the mission field one day. We, we send a lot of people on the mission field. You talk about a step of faith. I know people that are in some of the most dangerous places on the planet. I've traveled with the underground church. I've traveled and gone to places where all the underground churches are. And, I, and I've been there with the underground church. And I've been with the persecuted believers. You talk about a step of faith, go sit in a coffee shop with a persecuted believer who just got beat up the month before. You sit down with them. I've been there. I've done it. I've stood there in the moments. And I've looked them in the eye. And they'll look you in the eye and say, do you really love Jesus? Show me. Because the true education, I had one tell us this. Um, they said the true seminary for us is prison, not a classroom. You, you want to go to seminary? Whoo! Amen. Steps of faith require us to take the step, Right? You can't take a step unless you're following the presence of God. When you follow the presence of God, you got God on your side. When you follow yourself, you only got you. I'll take God on my side. Come on, somebody, right? Whew, that's a good word, Joshua. The Lord through the story of Joshua. Verse 14 in chapter three. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant, went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, so we know that, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, as soon as it touched the water's edge, that's when God moved in a miracle. That's when you want a miracle in your life. Here's what I wrote down. You'll not cross your Jordan in your life if you are just sitting back expecting God to carry you across. You gotta be willing to put your feet in and walk across. You gotta be willing to put action to it. The water from upstream Stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called 
Adam, 18 miles north of that in the vicinity, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arba, this is a dead sea that is there today that you can go to, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. So we know exactly where they were. Isn't it amazing how God wrote the Bible? Like you can go to certain spots today because you, you just know it's right across from Jericho, close to the same spot that Jesus would one day be baptized in the same spot. You can go there today. They just opened it up so that you can drive through landmines. Anybody wanna go? Israel has landmines around their borders and you, they've cleared it and you can drive down to where this happened. I had the opportunity to win a guy to the Lord there. God gave his life to Christ on our last Israel trip and I got the opportunity to baptize him in that moment right there in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. It's not the same spot where everybody gets baptized in the Jordan currently. If you go to the traditional spot, it's a little bit further north, it's cleaner. You go to that spot, it's really nasty and dirty. So it's my favorite spot to baptize people, amen? Let's go get dirty in the name of Jesus, come on. So all this took place in this cross opposite of Jericho, verse 17, I'll begin to wrap up. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and he stood on dry ground. Don't you love that statement? While Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. There's so much in that because a priest stop in the middle. What are the priests stop in the middle? They're holding the Ark of the Covenant. Sometimes you get stopped in the middle of your journey. Sometimes you walk through the tough times. What do you do through the tough times? What do you do when God stops you in the middle of your journey? You cling to the presence of God, just like the priest cling to the presence of God in the middle of crossing the Jordan so that everybody else could go across. God had a plan for it. But then what happened? They did it on dry ground. Come on, y'all. Dry grounds. Don't miss the blessings along the path. Don't miss them. You think all the Israelites were like, man, God divided. Look at this. This is cool. And they're looking around and they're like, where's the water? Sometimes we're looking around and amazed at what's happening in our culture and we miss what's happening right at our feet. God's doing a miracle. Sometimes we're whining about our church or because we got lost in some church member out here, somebody that's whining about us or somebody posting about us, all this other stuff. And we're so focused on that, we miss out on the blessing that's happening right in front of us. Don't get lost in what's happening around you when God's doing a miracle right in front of you. Can I just give you this? I'll give you something valuable that happened in my life. Someone challenged me, write down every blessing. Just write them down. All along my life, if you got in my journal, you would, you would see this. I, I write down lots of things in my journal, but one thing I always write down are the blessings. God did this today. They might be just a little piece of dry ground. You notice he doesn't, they're not just talking about God divided the sea. I mean, how, how our dot divided the river, that's a pretty big deal. But maybe it's a bigger deal because he'd already done that. It's a bigger deal that there's some dry ground on the path. And it's easy for the carriages to get across. I wonder what blessings God's doing in your life right now. Have you paused to recognize the blessings in your life? I wonder who in this room is evaluating the call of God on your life. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're tired. Anybody gotten tired? As we've gone through 2020, you ought to pastor a church through 2020. You ought to go to a church in 2019 a church that's already small and then hit 2020. Come on, somebody, right? That doesn't sound awesome. Sign me up. Pandemic, shut the doors. Whoever came to your church might never come back. Praise God, you wanna go? Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. No, What no pastor ever said in 2020, amen? 
Um, but if you just take what God gave you and stay faithful and write down the blessings. Because I could write down blessings through 2020. I think of a guy named Mike. Y'all remember Mike? While the doors were closed and Mike, in the midst of the doors closed, hadn't been to church one day in his life in decades. His son been praying for him for over 20 years. Mike's about 60, 65 years old. He was at his son's house during COVID on a Sunday, so they started watching our church. God moved in the midst of that. Mike gave his life to Jesus. Then his family started coming to our church. His daughter gave her life to Christ. They got baptized in the middle of COVID. When the churches was closed, God was moving. Try ground. Could have been focused on all this other. But we, we stayed true to the gospel and we preached the gospel and some dry ground happened because God moved, because God was dividing the Jordans in the midst of challenging seasons. Can I give you this? Don't miss the dry ground that's happening in your life. And here's what I would say to you and I'll wrap up today. Um, if you're walking through a season that you're questioning your calling, I want you to pause today and remember the day God called you. Could you remember the day the Lord said? I want you to think about it. Right now, everybody in the room, no matter your age, think about the Lord. Me, 1996, a little youth camp in Arkansas, south side, I'm from Hot Springs, the south central part of the state. When God called, put a call on my life, I'm not, the, I'm not the brightest. I'm not the greatest preacher on the planet. That's, that's not who God called me to be. God called me to be faithful with a call. And can I give this to you? God's called you to be faithful to your call. And when, when did God call you? And where are you at in that journey? Are you taking faith steps? Are you following fear over faith? Are you following the presence of God? Are you running from the Lord? Are you living in sin? Are you getting your provisions ready and consecrating yourself, making yourself holy and right before God? I would bet there's all in this room. I bet there's some watching online that the same would mix in some of those circles. So the way I wanna end today is I wanna pray for the call of God on your life because God might just use you bigger than you ever dreamed to be used. God might use you beyond what you ever dreamed no matter your age. Joshua's around 60 years old at this season of his life. Got the greatest leadership opportunity of his life 60 years in. I, I couldn't imagine what he had longed for his whole life. He's obviously an ambitious leader, so he obviously wanted more, but he was just faithful where he was. Maybe you're frustrated instead of faithful today. I don't know where you are, but where are you in your calling to God? What journey are you on? Maybe you're watching online and you're walking through a church season like I had in 2015 and you're evaluating and questioning. Can I pray for you today in that? Matter of fact, I'm just gonna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.